Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God for His holy written word. We've been talking about staying in faith and not being overwhelmed by fear at a time like this. And what I like to do before I even get into my message and share with you some thoughts that the Lord has given to me to share with you, I want to read to you something I read by Dr. Caroline Leaf, a neuroscientist uh, this morning. And I thought just from this perspective, it's really lining up with what I've been saying. It's so easy these days to get overwhelmed by fear that's spreading through our communities. I totally understand why this happens. The daily barrage of scary information from our media outlets, Instagram and Facebook, and the rumor mill of misinformation spreading on the internet and among friends. But as a medical doctor and epidemiologist, I would love to reframe this conversation for you. Excessive fear and anxiety are more than just counterproductive. It can actually damage the gut and weaken the immune system, which is connected to the gut. This can leave us vulnerable to infection, which is the last thing we need right now. Actually, you could say that she was quoting Job 3.25 that says, The fear that I greatly feared has come upon me. In other words, just by listening to what's being put out there, like as if everybody that gets this virus is going to die, it opens up the door to fear. And fear will weaken the immune system. Anxiety will also weaken the immune system and make yourself more vulnerable to it. So what's best for us to do is to stay in faith. And that's why I believe the job of the church is to really proclaim the truth of God's word and share how we can stand against fear and also stand against sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus. Now our opening text is going to be Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. And this is what it says. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Uh, last Wednesday evening, we defined uh, the curse that the prophet spoke of as being the limitations of man. Man is limited. He is a finite being, which means he is limited as to what he can do. Certain things he can do, but there are many things he cannot do. And the example that we used was the example of Moses before the Red Sea with over two and a half to three million people who had a need to get from one side to the other. They were being pursued by the Egyptian army and they had no good intentions for them. They were basically hemmed in because there were mountains on either side of them. The Red Sea is before them. Now they have a dilemma. How are they going to escape? How are they going to be victorious? There was no time for man to train them how to fight and do warfare with the Egyptians that were pursuing them. There was no time for man to build a bridge that would cross the Red Sea to get him successfully over to the other side. There was no, man, no power and time for man to build a boat. Obviously, there would be more than one boat needed to get three million people across that sea. So we could see that man is limited. And what about maybe constructing an airplane or a rescue helicopter? Imagine how many times it would have to go back and forth just to get three million people over. So the point being made is the fact that sometimes we face the troubled waters of human life. And if all we're looking to for answers is man, man is a finite limited being but God is infinite God is unlimited in resources and power and ability 
And so I believe it's the job of the church to share information with the people of God that will help us basically develop a faith life in God and not just look to man for everything. Look at the book of 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27, what it says. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. So Solomon builds a house for the Lord, but really no house made on this earth can house him. The universe cannot house him or contain him. We serve a massive God, an awesome God, an almighty God. And so why should we limit ourselves to what man can do for us? And once again, not belittling what man can do, but we're talking about something that God can do far superior to what man can do. Why limit ourselves to what man can do when God has made himself available to each and every one of us and we could look to him at a time like this and develop faith and not fear in our hearts in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9 notice what the prophet Jeremiah said verses 23 and 24 this is what the Lord says don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. And when God speaks, praise God, things happen. But notice what he is saying here. It doesn't matter how smart man is, how wise man is, he can't compare to the wisdom of God. It doesn't matter how strong a person is, his strength cannot compare to the strength of Almighty God. It doesn't matter how wealthy a person is. Man's wealth can't come close to the wealth of God. And so what he's trying to say is this. Our boasting should not be in what man can do. Although we appreciate what man can do in the natural and in the medical field. But God is so far superior to anything that man can afford us. God wants us to look to him. Our God is a jealous God. He wants us to love him, to honor him, obey him, live for him, serve him, and look to him in our times of need, and not just to man. So once again, while we can avail ourselves to what man can offer in the natural world, in the medical field, God wants us to ultimately put our trust in him, knowing that he is there for us to help us overcome whatever it is we face, whether this virus or anything else we face in life. Look at Psalm 78 and beginning in verse 40. How oft, this is speaking of the Israelites in the wilderness, did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God, and now listen, and limited the Holy One of Israel, which means they set up boundaries that he could not cross over. So they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy, how he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. And then go on down to the next verse, verse 56. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies. So once again, we see God being very displeased with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. Why? They limited him. He could do so much more for them that he wanted to do, but they limited him. Didn't allow him to do all the things that he wanted to do. You see, he wants us to trust him above everything else. And even in the difficult places that they found themselves in, if they would have looked to him exclusively, he would have gotten them into the promised land. But they couldn't remember all the things that he did. Look, 
God has done tremendous things for each and every one of us. He's brought us out of the realms of darkness into the light of his love and kingdom. He uprooted us from all the powers of evil and placed us in the powers of righteousness, love, and truth. And so he wants us to recognize the fact that he is with us, he is for us, he is in us, he's on our side. And no matter how wise, strong, or rich man is, he is far superior. And he wants us to look to him. So basically he says, look, don't be just convinced of what man can do. Look to me and know that I can do a whole lot more and receive from me. Now, here's a story of a woman in the Bible that really helps us better understand what we're talking about. Look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. We call this woman the woman with the issue of blood. And this is her story. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Notice, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling and knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So here we have the story of a woman who did everything she possibly could to try to get better from the malady that she was experiencing in her body. And as far as she was concerned, it didn't matter how much it cost her. She wanted to be well. And if you're unfamiliar with Jewish law and the conditions back then, the culture that they lived in, the woman was an unclean woman, which meant she had to be isolated from contact with other people. Similar to what we're talking about we're doing here today. So she had to keep her distance so people would know that she's unclean. And anywhere she went, if there was a crowd somewhere, she had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And you talk about a dispersed crowd, in a heartbeat, they'd be gone. Well, this woman tried to get better, used every means available to her provided by man. Spent all that she had in her effort to do so, but the story says she didn't get any better. Rather, she got worse. When I read the part that says she suffered many things from many physicians, it just kind of caught my attention. I kind of wondered what kind of things did this woman suffer during that time to try to get better. And I came with, up with Adam Clark's commentary on the subject. Listen to some of the things that she submitted herself to to try to get better. The first one is this. Take gum of Alexandria, of alum, crocus, hortensis, the weight of zuzi each. Let them be bruised together and given in wine. And I want you to notice how many times it points out wine as a part of the remedy. So she's given this concoction put together in wine to drink with this mixture Believing that possibly this is going to help her get better. I wonder how much it cost for that glass of wine mixed with all these things. I know that when we were visiting up in uh, Kulum, we were on the streets. And we saw some individuals that were 
snake handlers. They had rattlesnakes. And what they were doing was taking the hearts out of the rattlesnakes, putting it in wine, mixing it all up. And people were paying hundreds of dollars to drink it, possibly thinking it was going to help them live longer on the earth. I can only imagine how much money they charged this woman just to have this drink. But we know that she spent it because she wanted to get better. Look at the next one. If this fails, it says then she's going to do this. Take Persian onions, nine logs. Boil them in wine and give it her to drink. And say, arise from thy flux. So she's got this bloody discharge that's continuing in her body, making her weak. She's probably dying. And they come up once again, this drink in wine, mix it all together, and say to her, arise from your flux, and she's going to get better in her mind, in her thinking. I wonder how much that cost. I'm sure a pretty penny. But if this fails, look at the next thing she suffered. Set her in a place where two ways meet, and let her hold a cup of wine in her hand. Notice it's always with a cup of wine. And let somebody come behind her and affright her and say, arise from thy flux. Can you imagine being the one to get behind her and frighten her? So there she is at a crossroads somewhere where two ways meet. She's there, and someone comes from behind her, which she's got this in her hand, and they're going to scare her. Like sometimes I think people do with hiccups. They think if you just scare them, it's going to scare them right out of them. Well, nothing happened. And if this fails, look at this next one. Take a handful of cumin and a handful of crocus and a handful of fenugreek. Greek. Let them be boiled and given her to drink, of course in wine, and say, arise from thy flux. Notice the command is always given, arise from thy flux. Now I wonder how much this cost. And I wonder how many times she tried it or that she did it. The point being, she submitted herself to do these things. Why? She had a desire to get well. She wanted to be whole. And it didn't matter how much she spent. Now this last one is really something. And this is just part of what she submitted herself to. Dig seven trenches and burn in them some cut cuttings of vines not yet circumcised. And what that means is they're not four years old yet and let her take in her hand where it is a cup of wine and let her be led from trench to trench and set down over another and in each removal say unto her arise from thy flux now if you can imagine this the shame the humiliation the embarrassment here's this woman woman with a bloody flux sitting over a trench where they're burning underneath her these vines, wine in her hand, and it's supposed to somehow cure her from a bloody flux. Arise from your flux. And she goes to the next one, and to the next one, and to the next one. And here she is in this embarrassing situation, but yet she's desperate to be healed, and so she's crying out for, for help. But she's being humiliated along the way, and also all her resources are being drained along the way. Because you see, man is a limited, finite being. Now, were these charlatans? I don't know. Did they really think these things would work? I don't know. But these are just some of the things she submitted herself to during that time of her life until she was basically exhausted from all her resources. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So if you can see her sitting in her little cottage, 
by herself, isolated from other people. I don't know if they had added on a place in their home in the back somewhere. We don't really get told any of these details, but she was isolated from other people. And think about it, not able to hug someone, be near someone, they all would become unclean. Very sad life that she was living and very lonely life she was living. She was desperate. Imagine if she couldn't touch her husband if she was married. Don't know any of the details as far as that goes. Or children. But she was isolated. Well, all of a sudden she hears something she has never heard before. When you think about what she heard, it helps you better understand exactly why she acted the way she did. And where her faith came from. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. She heard that people are touching the hem of the garment of Jesus and everyone who touches his garment is healed. Did you notice it didn't say with a cup of wine in their hand? Not at all. She didn't need a cup of wine. All she needed to do is have faith and touch in faith. Other people were doing it. So imagine how this registered in her being when she heard from someone at a distance, whatever her name was, Woman with the issue of blood, whatever your name is, we've got some good news for you. Look, we understand what you've been through. We know the hurt, the heartache, and the pain that you've suffered. We know the attempts, trust me, the attempts for you to get healed that you took. And we understand that you're worse than you were ever before. But we've got some good news for you. There's someone named Jesus of Nazareth going around the, the villages and all the places around about us and anyone and everyone who touches his garment is instantly made whole. So when she heard this, the Bible says that she took it upon herself to say, if I may but touch his garment, I too will be made whole. It's important to understand that she took responsibility for her own healing and recognized that she had to do something. Jesus wasn't coming to her. She had to get to Jesus. She had to make her way to where he was. And of course, she probably heard he was nearby. Didn't know what to expect, but he was nearby. And so what does she do? She rises up and she goes to find him. She touches his garment and she's made instantly healed and whole and delivered from that condition. Some of the things I want to share with you this morning that will help us understand a whole lot better what we can do are these number one this woman was desperate to be healed sometimes people really aren't that desperate to be healed sometimes we find ourselves in situations where I can put up with this or I could put up with th that the pain is not too bad and whatever but not this woman as far as she was concerned she was desperate to be healed her health meant more to her than anything else she wanted to live again she wanted to have the life that God wanted her to have and so she was desperate number two her health was more important to her than her wealth it didn't matter how much money she spent what good is it to have this wealth and yet I don't have a family I don't have any relationships I can't even go to church or to the synagogue and mingle with other people here I am in the situation alone in the world but surrounded by so many people, but I can't get near them. To her, her health was more important than her wealth. Number three, what she heard produced 
a tremendous amount of faith. It's almost as if you've got to be to the place of desperation that you really draw from within the resources that are necessary to rise up. When she heard those words, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, whoever touches his garment is whole. She didn't say, well, if I could just get him to come here like so many people do, if he'll just come and visit me at my house, I can maybe get better. No, not at all. She said, if I would touch his garment. She took responsibility. She got herself up, and she went out to do what she could do. The next one, four, she exalted revelation above religion. Revelation above religion. This revelation that she received from these people that told her about touching the hem of his garment was something that she had never heard before. Can this really be true? My religion tells me I'm unclean. My religion tells me I can't leave and mingle with other people. But you know what? I'm going to rise up above religion. I'm going to receive the revelation that God can do this for me if I just do my part. Not to be disrespectful to her religion, but she was desperate to be healed. And her religion wasn't providing healing for her. And so she rose up and she said, I'm going to take that revelation. I'm going to live it out in my life. And so she went out to do exactly that. Next, she was not deterred by obstacles. In the Amplified Bible, it says this. She kept saying, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be Oh, she kept saying that over and over and over. Why? Like anybody else, I'm sure thoughts came against her mind. What are you doing? What are you thinking? The onslaught of the enemy to come against that person's thought life is huge. Why? When people step out in faith, he knows his work is going to be challenged. So he puts thoughts in her mind. You shouldn't be doing this. What do you think you're doing? You're going to touch him and you think he's the Messiah and yet you know you can't touch somebody like that. You can't touch anybody, let alone him. She kept saying though, to do what? To silence all the thoughts in her mind. If I touch his garment, I will be whole. Forget about religion. Forget about my culture. Forget about what I'm supposed to be saying. Forget about these obstacles. Casting down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ is a major part of our spiritual warfare. Our warfare is not with carnal weapons, with spirit, but with spiritual weapons. And in the name of Jesus, we can cast down those thoughts and imaginations. A lot of people are going around even right now thinking about, what if I get the virus? What am I going to do? How am I going to live? As a matter of fact, if you listen from the very beginning to the news media outlets, I believe it's media-driven dri fear. Everybody was thinking that if you catch this, you die. And yet... We are just read that 113,000 people have had it and overcome it. But me, the media sometimes makes you think that once you get it, you're going to die. And that's not the truth. We need to hear the whole truth, not just partial truth. Now, should we be taking every precaution? That's wonderful that we would do that. That's a natural thing that we could do. Medically, should we be doing what we're doing? Absolutely. That's a wonderful thing that we can do. But if we just limit ourselves to what we can do in the natural and medical fields, then we leave God out. And God says, don't limit me. Don't set up boundaries that I can't get into your life and do what I want to do. Do your part to believe that God is greater than COVID-19. God is greater than any virus that we can face. God made provisions for us that we need to be taught from the word of God how we can receive his healing power even if we contract a disease. It's not just natural and medical means. 
we can use the supernatural hand of God upon us to be delivered and set free. Next, she was not controlled by fear. Oh, she could have been afraid about what might happen to her. Why? Because if she mingled with other people, she could be stoned to death for what she did. But she didn't let that stop her. She did not allow fear to dominate her heart or her life. And right now, there's so many people that are bound by fear. It's time just to let it go. Why? The fear I greatly feared, Job said, came upon me. We become vulnerable to the disease if we're in fear, anxiety, and worry. Now, those are true emotional feelings that we have, but there's something that should rise up above it. Notice Isaiah 26.3 that says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in him. Notice what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. He's talking about peace that comes from his heart. From knowing him, being born of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're a child of God. We're children of the Most High God, and he cares for us and loves us. He's there for us, made provision for us. He is not limited to what man can do. He can do so much more than what a man can do, which he has proven time and time again in all the scriptures. When Israel came out of Egypt, the ten signs and wonders that took place during that particular time should have been enough to let them know that God is greater than whatever they face in this life. Think about it. 4,500 tons of manna coming down from heaven every single day. 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every single day to meet their physical needs. Things they couldn't do for themselves. Their clothing growing on their back. Their shoes on their feet. All that he did for them was a supernatural work that transcends natural powers, wisdom, strength, or abilities. And yet, too often what we do is limit what he can do. Set up boundaries he cannot cross over because we're not believing him to do what he said he would do. We're not to be controlled or bound by fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And when we know how much God loves us, then we don't need to be afraid to face anything that we face in this life. Next thing, faith unleashes the healing power of God. Faith unleashes the healing power of God. When she touched his garment, he said, who touched me? The disciples said, you're being thronged by so many people. Everybody's touching you. How can you make a statement like that? I'm paraphrasing. How can you do that? He said, mm -mm. somebody made a demand upon my ability. With all the people that were touching him, you could touch him with curiosity. You could touch him with observation. Really, you could be cynical and touch him, not even believing in him. You can touch him just physically in the natural and nothing is happening. But when the woman who touched him in faith, touched his garment, immediately power went out from him. There was an activation of the power of God, the healing power of God that set that woman free from that disease. So you see, there are many ways we can touch Jesus. Even now, today. But the number one way to draw from his power and ability is touching him in faith. Faith will unleash the power of God. Another important point to make is that Jesus acknowledged her faith. He did not say, it was my power that made you whole. It was your faith. Jesus was anointed with Holy Ghost power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We understand that. But that power was not activated until that woman touched him. 
And it wasn't activated by all those other people that were there. When faith touched him, power was unleashed and released. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say my power, but your faith. Also, it's important to note this, that Jesus was there and didn't even know what occurred and didn't even know who did it. So you could actually say this. He wasn't really much participating in the miracle other than being there and housing the power of God or the anointing of God. This is something the woman did without his knowledge of what she was doing until she made a demand upon his ability. And then when she touched that garment and that power was released, he knew it. Someone has touched me. Power has gone out from me. Somebody made a demand on my ability. And she fell down and told him all the truth. All the truth. She said what she did. She probably gave her life history. I suffered this all my life. You don't understand how awful it's been. How lonely I've been. How isolated I've been. And went through the whole thing. I've tried this method. I tried that method. I spent all that I had. I don't have any resources left. But you know what? I wanted to get better. But Jesus, somebody told me about you. How important is it that we hear the right thing about Jesus? There are so many today that are out there teaching that healing's not for today. Healing's not in the atonement. No, God will heal who he wants, when he wants, how he wants, if he wants, because he's a sovereign God. But you see, that's not the truth. The truth is this. Our sovereign God bound himself to his covenant of blood. So that we could have faith, he made a vow, an oath, and sealed it with the blood of his son. We see part of that in Psalm 103, when the psalm writer David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeems our lives from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies our mouth with good things that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We believe that when it comes to sin. But notice the benefit is the benefit of the covenant. A benefit is a condition of a contract. The benefit was he forgives our sins, but heals all our diseases as well. And that's where faith comes from. God cannot lie. A sovereign God said, this is my will for your life. And that produces faith. Then it goes on to say that faith produces wholeness and peace. He told the woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Go in peace. Peace is that tranquil state in spirit, soul, and body. And what it means is to continue to be whole and at peace in your health, in your well-being, not just now, but throughout the rest of your life. So imagine what this woman would experience from that point on in her life. She was given back her life. She was given also a wonderful, blessed future that in the future she could experience wholeness, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and even financially, that God would be there to provide for her every need. Next thing we learn is this. It's not just a physical touch that heals. It's the touch of faith. 
And you know what? We all have access to faith. If you've been born again, it's because you've been saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. So in other words, the moment you heard the gospel of salvation, it produced faith in your heart. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you heard that message, you made a decision to believe it. And when you believed it, the faith was right there for you to act upon it. And you asked Jesus to come into your heart to be Savior and Lord of your life. Your faith touched him. And when it did, your spirit was recreated. And you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'll never forget that day in my life. I grew up in a situation where even though I was religious, I know I didn't have reality with God. I didn't know God. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. So as a result, I wasn't born again, but I would go to church all the time and be very religious. Well, as a teenage boy, I would be going to bed at night and I would cry out to God, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And I didn't even know why I was doing it. And sometimes I would wake up in a cold sweat and cry out, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I had no idea how to be saved. I would still go to church. Along the way, some individuals that I knew, one person from school, another person in the workplace, would come up to me and say, Bill, you must be born again to enter into heaven. And you know what? I just kind of laughed and thought these people are crazy because I didn't hear anything about being born again ever in my church as I grew up. Well, I kept hearing that same message over and over again. I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't know how to get saved. And when God sent people to me to teach me how to be saved, I rejected it because I didn't know the truth. Well, thank God for his faithfulness not to turn away from us, but to continue knocking on the door of our hearts. And he did. And he said other labors of love to me. And eventually, because my dad wrote out a sinner's prayer for me, I gave my heart to Jesus. The faith was there for me to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord because I kept hearing over and over and over again the word of salvation. Salvation is not limited just to save us from eternal destruction. It's also providing for us freedom from sickness and disease, mental anguish, and so on. Actually, the whole word in the Greek means to be saved, preserved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. It's all-inclusive in that word. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm here to share with you today that Jesus bore your sin, sickness, and carried your pain, became the curse on Calvary's tree for you, so you can be free from it all. And if you'll believe right from your heart and receive him right now as your healer as well as your savior, it'll result in the healing of your body, no matter what you're facing in this life. One of the first times I ever witnessed this, it was amazing. I was uh, with my father and we went to the house of an individual. This woman was hurt so badly in her ankle. Her ankle was severely sprained, swollen, and so bad she couldn't even walk. She couldn't put any pressure down on the floor whatsoever. My dad asked me if I would go with him to her house and pray for her to be healed. I said I would. As we knocked on the door and waited for an answer, Seemingly a long time went by and nobody came to the door. We were about to get into the car to leave when all of a sudden the screen door we saw just pop open a little bit. When we got back up there, opened up the door, she was crying, tears streaming down her face. Finally, we helped her get over to the couch where we sat her down. We can see the pain that she was in. 
She said, I'm sorry it took me so long to get to the door, but it was so painful I could hardly make it. It was about a 10-minute wait that we were there that whole time before she finally came to the door. She sat down on the couch, and I looked at her, and I asked her, have you been born again? And she said, I don't even know what that means. I began to explain salvation to her, the gospel message to her. And I told her that Jesus died in your place for your sins. He was raised from the dead for your justification. There's nothing you could do to be saved. All you have to do is accept him as Savior and you will be saved. And she thought about it and she said, that's what I want for my life. And she's sitting there so uncomfortable, still tears streaming down her face. She's in such awful pain. And she gave her heart to Jesus and was born again. But I didn't stop there. I was really inspired just to say, well, now that you're saved, Jesus is also your healer. And all you have to do is accept him as your healer, and you're healed as well. And she just looked at me and said, really? And I said, yes. And the same way we prayed a sinner's prayer, we prayed a prayer for her to accept Christ as her healer. Well, I said, repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me by your stripes, for dying on the cross so I can be whole. And I led her through this prayer. And when she got done with the prayer saying, I accept you as my healer today, I said, now, sister, you're healed. She's sitting there on that couch. What she did next absolutely floored me. She jumped up off the couch and just stomped her foot on the ground, the bad foot, as hard as she could. And when she did, she said, the pain's gone. I'm completely healed. Her husband worked the afternoon shift. He came from home from work that evening around 11 o'clock. She answered the door. He, could, he said, I had to carry you out here to the living room for you to sit down on the couch. What happened? What are you doing? She said, Jesus healed me. He was an atheist. I should say maybe an agnostic. He said, I don't believe in that. She said, well, he did. Mike and his son Bill came over. They prayed with me. I gave my heart to Jesus and he healed me. And look at The evidence was right there before his eyes. She could walk where she couldn't even touch the ground with her foot. He carried her over to the doctor. took her to the doctors the next day saying, you got to check my wife out. This is what she says happened. And the doctor said to her husband, George, I took these x-rays. I know the condition of this ankle. I know how bad it was. I know what it is now. Something happened. Whatever she says, I don't know. But she was bad, and now she's healed. He had medical evidence, proof, that she was completely healed by the power of God. But you know, the sad part about this story is that he never believed it. And I believe he left this realm not even believing in God. But her, she believed it. How did she get the faith to be healed? By hearing the gospel. What is the gospel? He bore our sin, sickness, carried our pain, mental anguish, and disease, and became the curse on Calvary's tree so that we can receive it all. It's up to us, like the woman with the issue of blood, to receive what he has done for us. Another final thing, man is limited. Man is limited. No matter how smart we are, how rich we are, or wealthy we are, how strong we are, we have limitations. There's always, always somebody smarter than you, Always somebody stronger than you. Always somebody wealthier than you. And it doesn't matter how wealthy, strong, 
or wise they are. They can't compare to the God that we serve. It's time, if anything we should know right now, is to shift our faith toward God. Thank God for what man can do and receive what man can do. But don't stop there or you'll be limited. Faith has three components. Number one, hearing. We have to hear the right message. Number two, believing. We have to believe the right way. Number three, acting. We've got to act out our faith. Faith without corresponding actions are dead. We are, is dead. Being alone is what James tells us. James, the half-brother of our Lord, gives us insight into receiving from God and how we have to receive by faith. In this first chapter, verses 5 through 8, he tells us, whatever you need from God, just ask. But ask in faith without wavering. For he that wavers is as the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man even think he can receive something from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So what he's saying is this. Ask God to heal you. Believe that he heard you. Receive what you've asked for. And start thanking him in advance by faith that you have received the miracle in your life. We've got to hear the right message. We've got to believe the right message and act out like that woman did what it's saying to us. And basically saying is the primary action of faith. She kept saying, if I touch him, I'll be whole. We can say the same thing. If I can touch him, he may not be here, literally, physically, but he is there and he's here inside our hearts. We touch him with our faith the same way that she did and we can activate the power within. There's a famous verse in Christianity in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 that tells us that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think and people stop there usually. But how? According to the power that's efficiently operative and active on the inside of us. You see, the Holy Ghost living in us is the power of God living in us. The healing power of God. He's there to quicken our mortal bodies. We activate that power by faith. We tap into that resource and praise God for the miracle. So it's important that we hear the truth. And not exclusively trust man, but trust in God to do what man cannot do. Praise God. Amen. We thank God for his word.